make Beyonce come come sing brown skin stars. Oh, Stop killing my, my boys. Oh, <laughs> Stop killing my boys. The thing is, drop the facts. Can you just drop the facts, please? Continue. Continue. Keep keep going. Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Let The Stands. This is episode 6 of season 5 and today's episode features Nigerian journalist and media consultant Joey Akan. So head towards the end of the episode to take a listen. Cool. So Nick, Shope, how are you guys today and how's your week been? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like um, just in detention basically. I've got deadlines, deadlines, deadlines. So... Yeah, but I'm excited about this episode, like really and truly I am. Like it's one that I think will be very educational for our listeners and ourselves Mm -hmm. personally, like because something I like to say is that we're not experts on this podcast and we'll never put ourselves across as the all-seeing, all-knowing eyes of the music industry because that's never our roles. Mm -hmm. So yeah, getting experts in is great or people who have been doing the work for a number of years, which our guests today will have done. Mm -hmm. So it will be a very good conversation, hopefully, which touches on a lot past, present and future. So I'm excited about this next couple of hours with you guys. But yeah, in detention. (laughs) But got my mood light on, trying to get the sun back, whatever. So it will be good. How are you guys shopping, Eden? Okay. Um, so to echo Nick, once again, uh, yeah, this has been a week of detention, a week of capitalist hell in some ways, just very, very, very busy. Like before Monday had even begun, I was dreading this week. I was like, this week is going to be so, so long, so much to do with the day job and preparing for today's episode and some writing stuff, which is coming up towards the end of the year which i'm excited about but like um um nika said this is a conversation that i've wanted to have for a very long time uh our guest is someone that i really respect and admire and i just really want to show this topic and bring light to loads of different nuances and different facts and different histories and oral histories that i feel like aren't always being um discussed like this so i'm very excited for this conversation i hope it goes well um and yeah that is i cool um i guess for me um i'm in a interesting space i say that every single week but i'm in a space of kind of reflection Mm. and taking time to actually understand what works for me in terms of this new kind of life we're living in covid and everything i will admit guys i'm a bit nervous about this interview um i want to make sure that Although I do accommodate um, Joey Akan at the same time, I come with the knowledge that I've literally just learned this week. So um, yeah, it's all a process. I think sometimes when people listen to the episodes, they might be like, oh, they might do a lot of research like from months before, or they might know some things already, but like I literally mm-hmm. learned a lot of new things this week. So I just want to see what happens with the episode. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I'm I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Um, I'm... And- I'm still here. (laughs) 
and that is me. <laughs> Shop is clearly in a Eden. good mood today. Yes. Yes. Nick. Um, can I just jump in and say that, like, again, like something I see online, like this just relates to your topic is like almost like we have to, people in music or people interested in music have to know every single little fact. And I think mm-hmm. that is so false. And so mm-hmm. it's a lack of, it's a lack of transparency really and truly. And I think pretending to know everything is what's the problem in today's era. So I think yeah. come as a newcomer, like it's fine. Like this is a podcast. Mm-hmm. We are not sponsored by anyone. We are independent. We're doing this on our own. We can be um newbies when it comes to this as long as you know the person who's coming on you've done a bit Mm. of fact checking what he does what what they're into what they're doing you're good chill like honestly don't you know do you know what yeah don't be gaslighting it's it's not so the nerves is kind of more so with the fact that it's so okay i need to give a story on why this is kind of like this at the moment so when i was doing the research for joey um akan and i was looking online to kind of look at articles and information and stuff like that some of the websites i was going on were like the guardian for example to look at Afrobeats and kind of um afro swing and afro beat and everything and i just noticed that a lot of the articles were written by white people mm. and i don't know why that was frustrating me but i was just kind of like could you at least get someone from the culture to actually write about the culture um because at the end and this is no disrespect to the author in question but at the end the author kind of gave recommendation recommendations on what to listen to and i was just like i don't know if i can i don't know if i should listen to this i don't know if i should go to a nigerian and say oh what should i listen to when it comes to or a Ghanaian or um anyone who 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 kind of come from comes from the culture so now when we come to the interview my nervousness is the fact that obviously i'm west indian and i want to make sure that i come to this conversation with an open mind and don't try to act like I know everything. Um, and that's where my nerves came from. And that's why like before this interview, I actually went to Shope, which I know Shope is one Nigerian man. Um, he doesn't represent everyone and he can't green light every single thing, but- And I'm a like, British Nigerian man. You're a British Nigerian man. I was just like, let me just double check these questions to make sure they're factually correct to make <clears> sure um that they make sense i actually think it's because i've literally yesterday i went to an unconscious bias um seminar and i was just like whoa i was just like raw so i think that's kind of like the remnants of that but i just want to make sure i get this right and i don't offend anyone or um say anything that kind of doesn't make sense but obviously you guys would let me know if i did say something Mm. okay that makes sense that makes a lot of sense and i also just want to say that um first and foremost once again we are not experts but um also as a as the british nigerian on the show i you know i don't speak for all nigerians i don't speak for all british nigerians i don't know everything so i'm yeah i just want to make that clear before you guys listen to that bit i don't know why i'm also nervous about this but can i ask you a question shopee go on so in the same way that with say with my cult well nick and i's culture for example um, in Jamaica, there's this thing about how um, when I go back to Jamaica, for example, some Jamaicans might say, oh, you're not Jamaican because um, like you're born in Britain, you've been to Jamaica a few times, you don't know about Jamaica and all of these things. Is it the same kind of thing with Nigerians or, or you, are you kind of embraced when you go back home? Oh, 1000%. <laughs> Wait, it's the same or you're embraced? Which one? It's the same. There's, there's definitely a sense of that you're Nigerian, but not really. Like, you don't know your roots. You don't know your culture. Like, 
the ones who live there do or like your parents do or your cousins do. No, and, and I definitely am embraced. I won't say that I'm like completely shunned because that's that's a lie, but mm-hmm. definitely embraced, especially last time I went. Anyone went to Ghana as well because I moonlighted the Ghanaian because apparently I look like one. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's the same. It's the it's the same. Like, there's definitely an embrace, and there's definitely like, but there's also, I, but there's definitely that sense of that you don't know or you're not. Yeah, like there's like I'm not an authentic Nigerian or whatever. Okay. Um, yeah, I, so that's definitely. I think that's. I think that's a part parcel for both West Indians and West Africans, or all, all Africans really. Because hmm. I'm quite intrigued in just how that works in your journalist piece as well like i don't know like i should probably well, know this but have you actually written about a lot of african artists i know you've pr'd for some but have you written about i I've, i don't know i haven't <laughs> i have I've, i mean I've, I've written about british african artists. so i've you know i've um i've interviewed ezekiel and i uh i think that's i could be wrong i mean i'll have to like check that but i i yeah i've i've interviewed british african artists but they're British and they don't make African music. I don't. Mm. I've never interviewed an African artist, but yes, I've PR'd for quite a few. Is it fear or like? Is it just you've never had the opportunity? Um, I don't think it's necessarily fear, but I, I just think it's like, and this is something Nicholas says that you know, everyone you know has their lane and and everyone should really be intentional about what they're doing. Mm. And not to say that um, I don't love African music because obviously I do, but I just don't mm. feel that I. I'm the the best person to write uh, about African artists. Like, and not to say like, you know, I'm sure one day there'll be an artist or a story that I feel like, you know, maybe I can tackle this. But in general, I don't feel like it's something that is like my go-to topic. Like I, you know, shout out to the grapevine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one woman coined this term called sociological pop culture. And I think that's my thing. So like I write about music, but you know, I look at how it intersects with like, you know, race and gender, sexuality and class and things. But also, as we all should know, um, you know, I'm an R&B man. I'm a soul man. I have written by hip hop a lot, but even then they're very particular artists. Mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't write, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, position myself as someone who should write about all things hip hop. Even though I love it, but it's like a, it's a case by case thing. And I think that would be the same with African artists. So like if someone was to pitch me, hey, should put and write about it, I have to think about it. Like, like how much do I love mm-hmm. this artist? How much do I know about them or are similar and their yeah. contemporaries and history and things like that. So I've seen this to Nick a thousand times. Mm-hmm. So like, I would love to interview someone like Jules. Mm-hmm. Like he's someone that I think I could give a good interview or a good piece about Just someone weird. like that. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, other artists, or even someone like, a, I don't know, uh, an Adekunle Gold or a, or a DJ Cuppy or so, stuff like that. So like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, but I, I just wanted to literally double check that. Or, or, or actually, someone like a, a, a or Dunsey, like someone like that. Like yeah, someone, maybe one of the Alte artists, hmm. possibly. I think that would be more of my street, like a Lady Donnelly. I think those would be up more of my street than, yeah. Okay, I'm, and I'm just waffling now. Like in terms of you, Nick, when it comes to writing about like other cultures, even if it's like West Indian culture, Dominican culture, or Jamaican culture, yeah. Have you had the opportunity to? Would you? Are you afraid to? Like, where are you sitting with that right now? I've actually written about Afrobeats um, and Afro swing um, okay. in light ways as well. And obviously, Shoppe um, and me linked up with about Nasty C and stuff like that. And again, it's a case by case basis. Nasty C intersects with the West a lot, and he's 
um, a hip hop artist first and foremost. And that is very conventional when I mean hip hop. I mean Lil Wayne, I mean T.I. He's like, that is his lane, you know? Mm. Um, he does Im- implement some of his um, South African culture in there, but it's not to an extent where I feel like I'm overstepping if I covered him, um, which I mm. have. Um, again, with the Afrobeats topic, there was, there was a... Um, op-ed that I did for NME on um, the Afro Beach charts making its way to the UK. Now, again, that is very much a UK-centric topic because a lot of the artists in that chart, which we briefly discussed, were um, Afro-swing-leaning artists, which was a genre, a subgenre created in the UK. Um, and in mm. that story, I uplifted having a Nigerian woman in there who was the, she, I think she's like the partnerships or marketing manager for the African um, leg of Audio Mac right now. So she has the knowledge, she's on the ground, she does the work. I would never step into a space. I got offered to do Black is King, for example. I had to turn that down straight away because that is too wide a topic and it deserves a voice on the continent more so mm. than it, give, it deserves a voice over here, in my opinion opinion because it's a story that was conceptualized around the con- parts of the continent um and it was a story that caused a lot of conversation on the continent that wasn't being heard in western spaces so sometimes instead of writing i'll amplify so amplify other stories um that interest me even if it is to do with other cultures now as it comes to the west indies and um the caribbean and jamaica and dominica there's a lot happening on the ground. And I think it, again, like Shopo said, it would be the right artist at the right time. I think there is incredible writers who are covering that topic um, quite well in terms of already. So there's Shireen Taylor, who I absolutely mm-hmm, adore. Mm-hmm, I love her mm-hmm, to bits, mm-hmm. love her to bits. She's amazing. Um, and we talk a lot. She's pitched me some stuff because she manages some clients. But I think, again, me and her have had a conversation. It's about the right client and the right look, you know, in terms of, does that artist fit that publication? Will that publication allow me to really tell that story? Um, there's a lot of upcoming talent that I would love to cover um, from Jamaica, but I just think it is the right time and the right place as well. I'm still educating myself on what's going on because there's a whole new generation of artists coming up, which I would not want to ruin the story of, to be honest with you. I wouldn't want to ruin that story by not having the resources or knowledge um, or relationship with that culture as much as I would like to before I step on the pen. I think it's super important. Um, But yeah, as Chope said, Alte is something I'm super interested about. Um, The new reggae movement, um, so newer school reggae artists. um, I think I will cover it when it comes time to but again I don't want to be seen as someone who just covers everything black Mm, yep like I don't want to be that kind of artist I'm very intentional on what I want to cover and why I want to cover it um and if you look at my work you'll tell in the stories why I want to cover that topic like I recently spoke to Vic Mensa this week and that was about mental health and stuff like that and that was about his journey I'm just really um, particular about because I love when rock intersects with R&B and hip hop and he is an artist that does that and he has consistently done that if you look at his music since he started in this game so I wanted to have specific discussions around that and mental health which you guys will see but um, yeah I think again anything I do you would have already known that I had an interest in that it's not going to be a look that looks odd you know or looks like oh what like why would you jump into that space you know 
I just think it's super important to have intention um, and integrity as a writer and as someone covering um, music and culture. There should be, you'll know you'll have to have beats as they call it, have beats mm. and um, very much not stick to them, but like build a portfolio within, within those beats because pe- readers want to know what to identify you with, you know, um, and readers want to, they don't want to be taken here, there, everywhere. It just, it just looks a bit confusing. So yeah, things I would cover are obviously women in hip hop without taking away from black women, um, hip hop at large, um, especially as it pertains to the UK and America, because obviously other hip hops exist, mm-hmm. like wider Europe, Germany, France, all of that. That's not my lane. Um, I would say Afro swing. Um, and I would say another one is R&B. But again, even then you see how me and Shope write completely different areas of R&B. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's it. That's it. I just think okay. it's having specific beats and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, because I'm always just questioning how like white writers get the chest and crack to like write about certain <sighs> countries that they've never been to and like how it's, how I've, hardly ever hear situations where like a white writer kind of passes on a story to uh, a, like a black writer say oh I don't I don't think I can write this maybe this person can write this instead mm-hmm. um like we spoke about this before with Tara Joshi um where she spoke about being an ally as someone who is outside of the black community but kind of being offered these um kind of pitches to write about things to do with black culture um and I think it is important like as you both highlighted that you create a network of people that you can say okay I don't know about this um we need to pass it on um, because music is becoming much more global now um, 100%. so yeah I just wanted to kind of get that insight before we speak to someone who um is from Nigeria and um talks about Afrobeats and kind of Afrobeat and all of the different genres that have come out of Africa as well. So yeah, um, I think yeah, that was an interesting conversation. I think last point to say, I think it's super important to pass on stories. Like I did that twice this summer just because I was like, I know someone will be more like more interested in that. And fundamentally, again, as you said, white people get more privilege in this game. As black men, we get more privilege mm-hmm. than black women. So my first point of call is always black women when it comes to yeah. like passing on stories and stuff like that. So yeah, intention's super key, but I think great conversation and thanks for the questions, Eden. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And I also want to end it on, so like in terms of African artists, I would love to interview. I want to also throw into the hat if, you know, the Lord provides, you know, someone like a, a Tewa or a Nonsa Amadi or a Waldi, yeah. someone like them. I feel like those are African writers that, so African artists that Shopee could do a good job on. So I yeah. actually want to hear that. Teiwa is a great artist. I love it's Gemini, isn't it? That's his his um most recent project, isn't it? Yeah. Is it Gemini? No, he drops, another, he drops another one called Gold. Oh, yeah. really? When did that yeah, come yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that came out like either beginning of this year or sometime last year. But that there was another one after Gemini called Gold. Oh yeah, it is called Gold. Okay, I'm gonna check that out. And Vic really Victor like Taiwo. So like yeah, these are so these are other artists that like so I don't know. I would if you ever asked me to write about um about um Davido, even though I I think he's great, I'm like mm, I think someone else is better suited. <laughs> that happened to me, yeah. Shope. That literally happened to me. I passed it. I was like, I'm not the person for this. No, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Like that when it was a big profile, I was like, nah, 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 nah. Like, there's something about Afro beats and Afro swing PRs that just mm-hmm. come to me, and I'm like, I'm not the voice. Like, don't like, don't. I'm not the main voice for this. Like, there's so many people in the game for that. But yeah, Davido, yeah. you could don't don't do that don't do that yes yeah 
Cool. Um, before we begin the listening section, I just want to say any listeners that are listening, I would suggest grab a pen and some paper because there's going to be quite a few artists that you probably may or may or not have heard of before. Um, write them down, listen to them, and we would love to hear your thoughts um, as this is an episode that kind of celebrates um, African talent. And obviously, mm. Nigerian Independence Day was something that passed recently. It's Black History Month. Oh, we forgot to say it's, it's Black History Month as well. Um, shout out to everyone who's black. Um, and yeah. How do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about Black History Month? really quickly <sighs> I, I, feel, I feel like that's a long topic um that's a loaded question for me i enjoy the fact that black people have a month where we can celebrate being black but i don't like the kind of tokenistic effect it has on so many different industries mm. i don't like the fact that a lot of black a lot of white people suddenly become aware of black people during one month Mm. Um, and it's all it's like all of a sudden people are talking about everyone who's contributed to society but when when all the other months are going on it's like what have black people contributed to the world what have they done um if it wasn't for white people then the world wouldn't be at this point and all of these types of things these are kind of common racist arguments that i hear and then when black history month comes around you hear about oh martin luther king did this malcolm x did this rosa parks kind of the like um, atypical type of people that they speak about and I have a bit of an issue with the education that um, like blacks British school kids receive when it comes to black British history um, mm. I only learned about carnival history through my own research um, and that was very late into my life as well and it's kind of informed my own identity as well so black history to me black history month in itself um, in this country with the letterbox thing that they did and for Americans who don't know this get ready to laugh but um was it the post office i think it was the post office decided to paint 10 or like 30 post boxes um black for black history month that was kind of their way of celebrating black history month um and that's the only thing that black british people have received so i guess in a long wind in a short-winded kind of reply that's my issue tokenistic um mm. it doesn't actually inform about black history and it's just an opportunity for people to be like okay racism doesn't exist because black people have black history month so that's currently where i'm at with it i don't know if shopee wanted to say anything but yeah that's all i, I, had to I say. think you covered it mm. cool yeah so nick did you have anything you want to say i was just like i'm tired like this year it can, <laughs> it, can, it can just go like i'm not gonna speak like there's one thing i'm doing for my aunt's college i'm just gonna speak about my what i've been doing but that's about it i'm not speaking this month like what it is what it is because i'm tired like we can't i just hate the whole pretending that we've gone to some kind of post-racial society all this kind of stuff like it just it just feels very performative this year for me so yeah i just wanted to ask how you guys feel because i'm personally exhausted by the black history yeah. year we've had um yeah and yeah the likes of lbc and good morning britain just gaslighting us every single week so i'm kind of tired of that and I'm going to protect my peace and just focus on the work that I have to do this month, personally. Yeah. That's my liberation, you know, or whatever people want to call it, some political movement or whatever. Yeah. But I hope everyone Black rests and gets a good month just in terms of happiness and peace. Beyond that, yeah. like, you don't need to talk. That's 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 what I think. You don't need to talk if you don't want to this month, yeah. especially at work. Yeah, when they, yeah. Yeah, don't be the token, basically. Um, cool. And just let anyone know, in future, I know the podcast is growing anything, but I think I speak for all three of us where I don't think we will ever do anything for free for Black History Month. Um, <laughs> God, I don't no. think anyone who is Black would do anything for free during this month. 
um, unless it's something that benefits our community um, that we deem ourselves. Don't tell us it does. Mm. Um, cool. So let's go into the listening section. Um, Shope, do your thing. So, yes, we're now heading into the listening section. It's not been, uh, I guess, the best of music listening this week. So I'm going to repeat myself and say Duran Bernard's latest album, Duran, which came out two weeks ago. But I can say I've spent a lot more time with it this week. I've probably played it at some point every day this week and i also watched his new episode of terrell which i love hilarious as always they're a great duo such great chemistry and energy between the two of them and um yeah i actually was gonna say that um compared to his other projects especially when i look at like blame it on the mango soundcheck and even like his early early stuff um this is quite a a darker project in terms of the production and like uh, and and sonically, like it's a little, it's a lot darker. And I love how personal, and his music has always been personal and autobiographical. And I kind of love how he's just very unabashed with the way he writes about like um himself, his family, his friends, his sexual partners, and even just random petty things like you know, I can sing without auto tune. Like there's a song in there basically about that, which I think is great. <laughs> basically, just telling you niggas that I've got vocals, and it's. It's a, it's a tune but um, I do think that compared to other projects it's not as instant it's not as instant it's I definitely find it's quite a bit of a grower and that so like I have new favorites as I listen to it so like I think my initial favorites were like summons and passport uh relocate stuck and melody but now I'm like okay volume is really cool I like really I really like racket so um yeah Duran like I just you know I just think you know he's a a singer songwriter and great artist and p- great person that we should all be supporting and I just thought about this actually like I don't understand like does he have a manager does he have a publicist because I just feel like he has he has such um a strong following he's been around for years like I don't understand why like he people aren't does he not have a team like he did the Terrell show but I know they're friends but I'm just thinking like there are so many places that if I was working with him like especially in the US landscape, I'm not sure about the UK, but there are definitely some US publications and some US brands that like you could have done stuff with, but I don't know. I feel like he doesn't have a, a team team, which is disappointing because he definitely is deserving um, of that, especially in an era where so many different kinds of black artists are now being able to be put on different pe- platforms and pedestals and like, you know, everyone from PJ Moore to Jesse Boykins, Serpent with Feet to whoever. Uh, Luke James, Ego LMA, Alex Isley, Van Jess, Samo. I'm like, they, sh- they should just be, you know, yeah, like, give Duran some of that. But I don't think he has a manager or, or an agent or anything like that. So I just want to say that. And then um, my second list... I just want to add, sorry, just quickly. Um, What Duran does have, though, is a, he has a lot of great connections. Um, So with the likes of um, They Have the Range, like, he ha- he did a live stream um, just singing some of the songs from the album. Um, and, and talking about some of the music he's working on and kind of his discography and then obviously the Terrell episode I think it reached like over a million views so um, that in itself should kind of show you that he has an audience he has kind of a connection and um, yeah I, I do see that he does have like a lack of a team though I do understand what you mean and even just outside of the like you know like he sings background for Erica Badu. He's good friends with Ari Lennox. So like there were even so PR missing like there were good things to talk about. And also like he was one of the original YouTube singers. Like he was one of the original guys that got big from YouTube. I just don't understand. I feel like 
there's definitely a story with him that needs to be told and articulated and documented that I just don't feel like he's ever got the chance to, which is, which is kind of confusing to me. But anyway, right. And so my second listen is um, Amber Riley. So yesterday she dropped her debut EP called Riley. And I think she's now going by Riley for her artist purposes. And um, I'm not going to get too much into um, the EP because it just came out yesterday and I don't do that. I will say I do like it though. And I'm actually pleasantly surprised. But I want to shout out the first single, which I think the second single called um, BGE, which is an acronym for Big Girl Energy, which I think is a really, 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 really good song. Like so smooth, so lush. And it's also just nice to hear her voice flow on a track like that because you know we all know if, for those who watched her on Glee many years ago you know she's a powerhouse you know like uh you know she can hit any note she wants to very powerful very robust vocalist you know she can she's one of the best singers of, the, of our generation so that's nice to just hear her just like flow and just kind of like you know let her tone speak and just kind of let her no choices speak so that's a really 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 good song and the overall ep is like it's a great it's really great is the song in there called hood loving well actually correct let me just check if that's correct but um with be the chicago kid um just... yeah hood living actually so i always speak in detail too much about it but i definitely would recommend that but definitely um the first single big girl energy so that is me, Duran Bernard, Amber Riley. And Riley and Amber was also on Terrell's show, so I used to watch that actually at some point this weekend. Cool. Um, I'll go next. So um, for me, I haven't listened to a lot, so I'm just going to talk about things that I've started to listen to, um, and I'll give a proper review um, next week if I can remember. Anniversary by Bryson Tiller. Oof. I still need to sit Oof. with this, if I'm being completely honest, but Oof. I can talk about some of the singles that came out beforehand. Um, you guys heard me say I thought Inhale was awful. Um, and... There are some songs on here that, to begin with, I feel like, although I need to like sit with it for a bit longer, I couldn't finish them. I couldn't finish a lot of the songs because I feel, I don't know, I don't know if his voice has been pitched on some of the songs, but it seems like he's singing in a slightly higher octave. Um, or it's just like his voice sounds weird to me. I don't know what it is. I can um, actually agree with that. Like, I can yeah. agree that it sounded different um, across the album, personally. Yeah. So that was something that kind of bugged me. Um, not because I don't want him to experiment with his voice. Um, we've seen the likes of Frank Ocean exp- experiment with like, and Kendrick Lamar um, experiment with like pitching their voices and everything. But with this album, I just didn't really get anything from it. Um, I just, it felt really blank. Um, and I need to listen to it a bit more. So that's why I'm trying not to go too in depth of the kind of response to it. Um, but for now, it's not really doing well by me i need to sit with it for a bit longer i need to do other things play in a car maybe or something but it, it again like the last album for me i felt like it's just another album where the sequencing of songs doesn't really seem to work for me um but i haven't been able to finish it because i'm really struggling right now um so yeah that is anniversary by bryson tiller next i'm going to talk about um amuse in her feelings so I went back to this album um, just to see if we kind of gave it too harsh of a review when we spoke about Division um, and their discography and everything. Um, I think I think we were right. <laughs> I think we were right when it came to the kind of harsh review that we gave it in terms of Division being able to put out good songs, but when it comes to albums, they kind of fall flat. And um, no good. I do love that song. Like the very first song on the album, I do really, really like it. Um, and I think it's it really shows the vocal capability of the lead singer. Um, I can't remember his name at the moment, but it does Daniel show. Daniel Daly. 
Daniel Daly, that's it. Um, but other than that, there are some songs on there like Dangerous City, which, like I said before, could have just been like a Buju song, really. I didn't think it really needed everyone else on there. Um, yeah, so I went back to that. Nothing special from that. I did try to listen to some jazz this week, um, and there was a particular artist that someone recommended. Before you continue... Okay, go on. Did you even listen to the five songs i put in your mentions for that you didn't for jazz yes no because people sent me a list of jazz artists but I, so you're 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 there somewhere but i have to get to it you didn't even respond to the tweets but okay i now know where what, i stand wait what do you what, no like i got loads of literally i put any new music today and then like i think around 20 or 30 people responded to it so i'm not going to respond to every single person like i haven't had the chance to listen to it um, my tweet was before that, so... No, it was after. I said I wanted to listen to more jazz after I said, does anyone have any recommendations? All right, continue with your recommendations, Sha. Uh, so there are some jazz artists that I was listening to, but for some reason they're not on my phone. What I would do, um, I said I wanted to listen to more jazz last week. I didn't get the chance, but this week I'm going to listen to more jazz, including Chopé's list as well. And I will let you guys know what I think. Um, and that is me. Nick? Why do you want to get into more jazz? Why do I want to get into more jazz? Yeah, why? What inspired that? So I think it's interesting. When it comes to music, um, I always say for me, it's more about the kind of um, the the emotion for me. And for jazz, there was one particular album I listened to, the one I was trying to find just a moment ago that made me feel so many different emotions at once um, because of the instruments in it, because of how they were paced. Um, and everything and I get that feeling a lot when I listen to jazz music I just for some reason when I listen to it I just get into this place where I really zone out I really feel the instruments and um, it makes me feel really comfortable so I wanted to kind of explore that a bit more because jazz is something I haven't really given the opportunity to really invest into because I think for me just thinking of music I always think of the vocalist first and foremost and in some jazz songs, majority of them that I've listened to, obviously there's an absence of a singer um, or like a, a voice in some of them. And the instruments are kind of more at the foresight. So I think I need to change my focus when it comes to music and focus more on the instruments and the overall sound. And I want to start from jazz and then go through other instrument-based genres as well, um, just to understand it a bit more. But that's well, why. There, well, there are also great jazz singers hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but the songs I your mentions was Key Largo by Sarah Vaughan, who is one of the preeminent jazz vocalists of her time. One of the best, okay. in my opinion. Okay. Well, I will check it out, and I'll take a listen to all of them, and um, I'll let you guys know what I think. Nick. Hey, hey. Um, so, with me, one recommendation. Very busy this week. Like, I've had no time to sit, except for, like, before I went out yesterday evening. Um, and, man... 21 savage like i fucking love this dude like out of all the trap artists out right now he has been the most consistent in my opinion in terms of just his he brings a whole different energy to the whole trap genre and you know he's getting better with his penmanship on this project but um Obviously, he linked up with Metro Boomin and they released Savage Mode 2. First of all, we're going to talk about the graphics, which is a huge ode to No Limit Records, Cash Money Records, NOLA, The South, with the graphics, the imagery. Like, it's crazy how iconic that kind of the font 
is in hip hop. Like I just think a lot of people need to put some respect on the the graphics number one because that took me back to 2003 that took me back to like watching masterpiece shows with like um little romeo and all that kind of stuff it, it took me way back like the graphics alone so incredible ode um and i think that atlanta and the wider south like areas such as nola um texas houston all of that like just doing incredible things in hip-hop right now yes megan's a part of that yes atlanta has been a part of that for decades right now with the likes of gucci etc um and obviously little wayne holding it down with nola and all of that um but yeah crazy 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 i need to do more research into southern hip-hop because i just think there's so much culture lacking in my in my canon in my canon of that that kind of trajectory and what happened so yes uh just to say the graphics alone tell a deeper story to people over here who are simply just playing the album without looking at the artwork um number two morgan freeman come on like been in this game for ages um i love him on hip-hop beats like i think he needs to just narrate the whole of traps um people who want to like speak about wider issues he needs to be the one to help narrate that like over the albums of the last couple of years i want to say again master p and morgan freeman have just been great at curating that um that spoken component of albums and yeah I love him I love him I just think Morgan Freeman just sounds great like the tone is everything he creates a whole serious energy um he'd be great on preludes he'd be great on album intros he'd be great on album closes and I think you know obviously there are artists who are still holding down having thematic albums and um, really chronological albums that tell a story but I think it, within Trap obviously it is something that is a bit of a lost art form with some of the newer cats coming up but I think again this is what 21 Savage does he tells a story and he's grown so much from Issa album which was only released three years ago like 2020 him to compared to 2017 like he's so much more of an artist that is in touch with what he brings to the table beyond just sonics um so yeah like again incredible just those two components alone but um i want to shout out some songs that i really enjoyed um this 50 cent sample which was also included on um pop smokes album as well i think 50 cent is just being um he's being sampled a whole lot more now it's crazy like um the many men wish death um song like it's been sampled on many men by 21 savage on this project and it was um sampled on pop smokes got it on me from obviously his late um album but um yeah in in terms of that incredible i just love what 21 does with that song and the wider sample i think it was a it was a tasteful sample like it wasn't a sample that was just used for the sake of it because I do think <sighs> sampling is something in music that's there like uh, it happens a lot but I think when you know of the sample um like and don't change anything about it it just gets a bit boring to me or don't add your own to anything um like that's one was one of my criticisms of like um Summer Walker's sample when she sampled one of Usher's songs and yeah I just think that it's kind of tasteless when you don't do anything with it it's kind of pointless um one song i'll say that didn't need a feature is mr right now which was one of two drake features to drop yesterday um he features on bryson tiller's anniversary project and he was here as well um pointless absolutely pointless i think that um 
21 was holding the song down he was being really melodic on this song um obviously drake sung a little bit but like it was just not needed personally um and that is not an insult that's not me trying to do anything drake is great like in terms of when he is in his bag but here he just wasn't young thug was another one who came about featuring twice he was on megan's new single and on this project young thug is gonna be remembered like we already he's already like iconic within the trap arena i just think what he does with his voice his inflections like he's so he has range you know he has range um despite some of his tapes not being to my taste in totality when he's on features he kills that shit and i think that yeah he, him and him and 21 21's like very relaxed in how he delivers things but whereas thug is very much um not afraid to play with his tone and stuff so yeah rich nigga shit <laughs> very self-explanatory is one of my favorite songs on there too um my dog um brand new draco i just personally this project yeah 15 songs long and i've been one to complain about longer ended albums um especially in this era but nah i didn't feel like i was listening to a 15 song long project because i was just in my bag i was enjoying and um time goes so much faster when you're having fun and i was having so much fun on there some of the guest producers was satoven um Southside, yeah, Southside. I love Southside. They're doing some incredible things in hip hop right now. Um, and Prince eighty five as well. And then there were a couple more producers too. But I'm glad that Metro wasn't just the sole producer across the whole project. I like when two producers or three come together and just unite their sounds. So, for example, Satoven and Metro just in uh, created an incredible sound on R.I.P. Love um but yeah like overall i've listened to this out loud in the speakers in the shower and i've listened to this um, in the headphones on my way out last night um listened to it like about five or six times now um i'm gonna say that yeah like i enjoy it it's quickly ascending to my favorite track project of the year and that is only after a day literally i don't think my opinion is going to change of this to negative um but you never know so i will return at the end of the season to kind of say whether i still feel the same because it will be the end of the year at that time but yeah that is my one listen of the week that <laughs> yeah really prominent to me um, I liked Megan's new video. Yeah, really nice little, like, really nice video. I think that um, Jacquel Knight um, is someone she needs to continue working with choreography wise. He's just taken her career to a whole new level. So yeah, throughout this album campaign, which is to come, I want to see them work together. And that is me. Those are my thoughts about music this week. Um, Bryson, I'll give you a little bit of a review next week, but haven't given it enough listens to formulate an opinion that makes sense at this point but yeah um news wise let, let, let me on. just very quickly give a quick there is no news let i was just, just going to say that shall <laughs> so let me just give a very quick shout out to i am shakina um because i know she's currently interviewing bryson tiller as well um she put on twitter so i know it's not a secret or anything um so if you want to review on the album or kind of what bryson's thoughts were um check her out her page is literally at I am Shakina. Um, so that's I am S H A K E E N A. Um, and just take a listen to, sorry, just, just read what she's written as well. Um, cool. So yeah, like Nick said, there's no news today. Um, we're going to go literally straight into the interview. So shop a, do your thing. Right. So we're now going to commence our interview with Joey Akan. So he is a multi award winning journalist, writer, media consultant from Nigeria. He is the founder and CEO of Afrobeats Intelligent, 
and he's also the entertainment editor at New Central TV. And his works have also appeared in the New York Times, The Fader, DJ Booth, OK Africa, High Snobiety, CNN. He's done many amazing things, and in my opinion, he's one of the the most one of the leading and prominent voices covering African music today. So welcome to the show, Joey. Yeah, it's lovely to finally meet you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. No problem, no problem. Um, I just wanted to ask, like, can you describe your week? How has it been? Uh, it's been a long one. Um, I'm prepping for my podcast. Um, I also have day jobs. And then, yeah, and then I've been, I had interviews, uh, lots of projects drop in. Lots of people all over the place trying to get solutions to you know, their arts and the systems that support them. And so we try our best. But yeah, very hectic, very hectic. And is that just a standard week for you? Like it's quite hectic, back-to-back uh, type of thing? Yeah, for me, I think for the past two years, well, for not for the past two years, the past three years, yeah. No, yeah, the past three years, I've had... I've had my weeks are always all over the place. Ever since my work became more visible, ever since I became visible and a lot more people, you know, connected with what I did and the industry just, all my profile grew and all the impact, my impact became more tangible. So yeah, since then my, my work has always been all over, the, my week has always been all over the place. So there's always one request, there's always, something that I have to do across music or media or when I'm not doing those, um, when I'm not doing those across um, content marketing and all of that. So, and I also go strike books. So I also have, like, I also have that to deal with. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot to when pursuing self-actualization in this space, you gotta be a lot of things. Yeah, I was just by the sounds of it, you you kind of have your hands in a lot of pockets, um, which does sound exhausting. But it sounds like you're kind of handling it. Um, yeah. So I think Shopper is going to say something. Sorry. So before we actually commence the interview, I just have to say a big shout out to Steph Ashigbu. You know, a friend of that mm-hmm. pod. She was on the show last year or two years ago now at this point she helped connect us and put this together. So we just have to give her her praise and her reverence. So thank you, Steph, for listening. And um, yes, I guess we'll we'll start now. So, if possible, this is kind of like a a big open question, but I feel like it's a good um, place for us to start. So, if possible, I would like you to kind of chart the milestones and like watershed moments that kind of led to the current renaissance we're seeing with Afrobeat's global rec- recognition. Because when I was growing up, the first artist that I remember really having a buzz in the UK especially yeah. were like, you know, Two Face and the Band and Ice Prince, P Square and, you know, the early days of WizKids. And then I kind of feel like in between it there was like a lull. And then Drake's one dance happened. But I know that wasn't the case. I know there was stuff happening in between that. So if you could possibly just like summarize what was happening in between and what were the critical moments that led to where we are well, today. I think first the first thing if if we're trying to look for origins here. I think the first thing that led to where we are today was, uh, what year was that when the band campaigned for, for NBC to play only night, to play a lot more Nigerian music. Um, 
trying to just find find it out on my computer for to get the exact year. But yeah, the band, uh, the band led a campaign. Um, the band led a campaign. Not only the band, a few other people. They led a campaign, changing, uh, disturbing the NBC way back, way way back at the inception of what we know now as the Nigerian music industry, um, when this new industry was starting. And they said, hey, prior to that time, uh, foreign music was all over the place. In my life in this Lagos, I have seen Westlife be the hottest song in Nigeria. Um, yeah, <laughs> sure. Westlife has had the hottest song in this country. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird, right? Um, <laughs> Westlife? Yes, Westlife. Uh, <laughs> an empty street, an empty house. Anybody from my generation, uh, my generation is the millennials, by the way. I'm 28 at this point, okay. the next few days. For anybody from my generation that had their ears on the ground, they'll, they'll tell you the same thing. We had songs from artists like Maze. We, we had a lot of US content, hip-hop, uh, R&B. Um, we had a lot of that just feeding in. And while our people were trying to make music here, they had a problem with breaking into radio. So around that point, um, they had a campaign. And so the NBC, that's the Nigerian Broadcasting Commission, you know, made a law, uh, tipping the, 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 tipping the, you know, the skills in favor of Nigerian artists and uh, giving them a huge percentage to play. Uh, and then everything changed since then. Um, and then, and then we began to do some work. Um, we've seen, and then, you know, our artists on the flip, on the other side, our artists were doing the work. Um, you, you could see people like P Square pushing for a recurse feature, uh, an Acorn mm -hmm. feature from way back, way back. Um, recurse feature, Acorn feature. We could see um, Two Faces DBS, African Queen, getting into spaces. Mm -hmm. Him, win, mm -hmm. him winning awards at the European Music Awards, um, World Music Awards also, just picking up uh, trophies everywhere. So those are those are those are the things that those are those are the things that were very critical um, to what we have now. And then we also cracked distribution also uh, to a certain degree when LD um, took Tribesmen and their project to Alaba and told them, hey. We, we we're making music. You guys are selling electronics all over the continent, and you guys have the the, the tech. You know, take the music, print as many as possible, and distribute, and we'll split. And that's how Alaba came to be. Came to be. Uh, so we had that also. You know, distributing our music all over the continent. We also have our people. Uh, people who are nomadic in nature. Uh, they're located everywhere. They're like. Yeah, ubiquitous. Um, you see them everywhere to you know promoting the culture, carrying it on their head. So um, yeah, so that's those are the the distribution they helped us dominate Africa, um, and also by dominating Africa, we were able to. Would I use the word? We were able to create an awakening even within the diaspora that hey, a lot of good work is happening here, and with time, with time. Um, and then the band happened, uh, Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist, mm. the Oliver Twist 2012, the band was in pub, was, you know, having a crazy moment back home. He'd just split from Don Jazzy. 
was over twist was part of his how did he put this his settlement from the firm or rather part of what he took from the association and it just blew he did nothing he the song penetrated london without the band doing anything it was when it was when he said i you know london is feeling it he had to move to london to try to market it and then his work with snoop dogg um t square to ti they've always let's say our artists have been in many ways trying to pull international attention down here there was a time when um ice prince was taking meetings at the rock nation office you know i don't know if he actually took a meeting what, what we saw on the internet then was he flew a flag into the rock nation building you know and then he took a photo with, with, with jay-z that was a big deal here um ice prince taking that photo with jay-z i don't know if they had a meeting i do not know i just know that was really that was quite an iconic image for the industry when it dropped. This was in 2013 or 14. And, and then one dance happened. Um, yep. And then one dance happened. And in as much as a lot of people would say, uh, Drake did nothing for us, blah, 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 all of that nationalist bullshit. Um, if, if you ask... <laughs> If you, if you, yeah, it's nationalist and revisionist bullshit. I lived in this real time. I, I saw it all happen. I saw, I saw us get into conversations globally when Drake featured Whiskey. It was like a seal of approval. It's like, okay, Drake has co-signed. And, and then, and Drake, ever the artistic nomad, was, he just kept moving around collaborating with everyone, trying to annex sounds and trying to find out, you know, the new sound for himself. And Afrobeats was there, Whiskey, um, Odre Leba happened, Odre Leba first happened, but that was not big enough because it was, you know, Nigerian facing. It was big here because, you know, Nigerians were, it was a Nigerian song, uh, African song. But the moment that one dance happened, I don't know, we saw what happened. It was, it was magic. Um, Whiskey and Davido got their deals. The Whiskey and Davido, they got their deals, of course. Um, experimental deals, no doubt. Yeah. Even to now, a lot of people are still getting experimental deals because the place is still up in the air. But they got their deals and everything happened. Without one dance happening, maybe another song would have happened. Maybe another artist would have done it but. If the biggest artist in the world says, hey, Afrobeat is where it's happening, and we legit, literally in front of us, see an entire shift of global attention, both from the, both from, uh, both from outside the industry to the industry taking risks in this market, uh, to major corporations taking risks in this market, and a lot of others. So yeah, Drake did wonders for us. Uh, I ain't gonna lie big uh shout out to drake for what he did you know it also benefited him you know give him give him his number one but give him another number one but yes yeah yes. But, but that was big so that was, that, that, that was it that that's where from there the rest of it is mostly recent history but yeah and i love the point that that's actually a very good point like people always forget like as many hits as drake had had before that that was his first number one single yeah mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, of course, of course, it's it's very important because you can't you can't have a conversation about us about like the the ground zero for our explosion, our global explosion, our expansion, and then not bringing like all the factors that made it possible. The very fact that an Afrobeat artist was on a number one record in the U.S. that's that's mad exposure to the genre mm. and to the artist and to the industry. Because think about it, the first time, even in the way music is made, um, and the way music is made down across the world for for musicians, you know, when you're trying to enter a market or when you're trying to do anything, you, or when you're trying to enter a market with, with, as an artist, you know, you drop your record, you, you know, put it through the pipes, you market, you, you distribute, and then nothing comes out of it. You drop it again, you put it through the same market and nothing comes out of it. And then maybe you get a collaboration and again, it puts you with a bigger artist. It puts you right in the market. And then you drop another record and people would say, huh, okay, this person has co-signed you. This person has made it right. We've had you on this other person's record. Let's see what you have. It's really standard. I don't know why we try to revise these things because it's there. And thank God it was documented. Thank God. We had we the internet mm. then. Thank you for that amazing context this is why we wanted to have you on so that was a that was a great introduction so eden well i just wanted to kind of go off of what you just said joey um because like um drake's relationship with africa he has a relationship with the uk as well which is quite contested um, because on that same song one dance you've got the likes of kyla um who is obviously someone who was in the funky house um kind of generation um and we were happy to see her on that song as well. And we were hoping for more music, but I actually don't know what happened with that. Um, but Drake as an artist and kind of um, quite a few US artists who collaborate with um, UK artists as well have always come into question over here because we've always kind of questioned their motives. So I kind of wanted to question, although they have, although the collaborations have necessarily been good for um, kind of the African and Afrobeat sound, like, for us, when like Drake in the UK, like, can you describe how you feel the American and UK diaspora view Africa? So when it comes to music, do you think that we view, like the artists view African artists as like a cash cow or do you see it as like a journey to rediscovering our heritage through music? There are two aspects of this. And, you know, when, when, you, when, I, when I consider music, I look at it from two angles. There's the... There's the, the, that's a part, like both of what you just said, they are both true in themselves. They're both happening at the same time. Um, I think, for example, now fans, fans or people who have experienced things, like these are the people in Amsterdam, for example, they went through years of boko bullying. And now because of Afrobeat, being African is cool over there. Um, um, and then, so yeah, same as the UK, lot in the US, you see a lot of Africans saying, oh, or people of, of African heritage or Nigerian heritage saying, oh yes, it's cool again to be Nigerian, it's cool to be African because of the art and its its dominance, um, the, or the quality of the art, it's cool. So yeah, that's happening. A lot of people are just rediscovering a connection to the continent. A lot of people are trying to get their roots back. A lot of people are trying to, a lot of people are just trying to find a center 
to rediscover uh, their identity, like you said. But that's for the fans. That's for a lot of the fans. On the business side, ha 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 ha. <laughs> no, all of those the identity. Show me this one. Africa, back to the motherland. Ah, if there are no figures attached to it, nobody would do it. Mm. All of every every time every time we hear, oh, we're taking it back to the motherland. If there was no benefit, personal benefit, corporate benefits, mm. would anybody would anybody do it? Would anybody touch yeah. it? Nobody would do yeah. it now. The ones who have yes now, why didn't they do it before it became lucrative to be able to do so? Mm. That's why you see that's the one that's the one question you ask all of them, and they'll tell you, and what they'll tell you is, you know, the saying was not right. It wasn't right for you to pluck, not not you know support or contribute to the community. It wasn't right because you didn't find a way to extract. You didn't find a way to like work the economics of it to benefit you. Mm. That's why it wasn't yeah. right. So now everyone's coming out and saying, you know, we're trying to rediscover Africa. We're trying to make a partnership where would, you know, mine, mine what? You're coming to me. You're trying to make money. It's that simple. Yeah. So all, yeah. So it's still the same thing. You want to have sex. You want an orgasm. You know, you can, we can, you can use a condom to protect yourself or, yeah, to protect yourself or, you know, if you're cheating, your your loved ones. But <laughs> but it's still the same thing. You know, you're trying to you're trying to get, you know, gratification. That's what's happening here. Um so yeah. The way the companies have moved here, the way they're moving here, the way the way um the way the way the entire space is being calved up mm. and partitioned, it's like a bit of a rush. It's a bit of a gold rush. And you know why it's the Wild West? Um, previously, you could say, okay, record labels will come in, you know, sign their artists, give them deals and try to work them. Now, in Africa now, it's not the same thing. Distribution co companies are coming in they're carving up the space. They're signing artists, giving them money in their pockets and saying, hey, we want all your content for this amount of money and for this mm. amount of time. So we're having both record labels fight. We're having DSPs open record labels and try to offer boutique label services. We're seeing, we're seeing it's, it's a jungle. That's what it is. It's a jungle. So nobody, mm. so people should stop trying to sell, sell us that thing. It's not. I see through it. It's nice to hear it, though. Honestly, it is. When you open Music mm -hmm. Week and there's a new announcement, you see something like uh, we're partnering to further harness the economic potential of Nigerian artists to trying to improve or elevate the standard of music or business in Africa. You see all those things. It's nice to read them, but we know what it is. We know what it is. So, you know, let's just cut the bullshit. It, yeah. Everyone's everyone's trying to make money from us. That's how they see us. The fans, of course, want the connection. The fans are the ones who vibe with, you know, the arts, you know, whatever's coming out, the shows, all of that. But on the other on the other side, no, it's not. It's not a gift. It's not. It's an yeah. investment. So yeah. Yeah, that seems to make a lot of sense. Like I 
remember like EVA Ani um, said it's the scramble for Africa that's happening right now in music and entertainment. And I wanted to ask you like, what do you think of um, African art, whether it's music, movies, um, just byproducts being accepted by the West? I know you started to hint at what's going on right now, but do you see it getting any better, especially with like consultants such as yourself in the industry um, and people with like good intentions for these artists? Um, like, do you see a fight back? Is there a, like a revolution against these Western corporations trying to exploit African talent right now? What What's happening on the ground in like Nigeria to kind of fight this, this moment happening right now? Well, every, um, at, at the start of, this in this this conquest uh this creative conquest of africa at the start of it people were just happy to see more money a lot of people were just happy to see more money a lot of people were just happy to to see to have like an have access to a larger market a lot of people were happy because some of the things they've seen on tv happened to a lot of other people what happened to them so they weren't thinking that much about ownership they just wanted access they just wanted to grow so a lot of people made mistakes we sat down here on this internet now when davido was shouting up and down that um you know they've taken away his freedom or oh my god his music is dying or and he had to go renegotiate his deal that's a reality nobody was expecting when they were taking deals. So it's the same. Like that was what happened initially for a lot of people. They were just happy to be in the room. Or they were just happy to engage. And so half the time they just they sold themselves short. People giving away their careers and their content for peanuts and just and maybe a lot of people I think literally gave it away for next to nothing on the back that they would have access. They made like deals that were all over the place. And you know, um, so yeah, right now, I think it's still the same thing. The biggest problem that's affecting us here is the lack of capital. We are poor. Like, there's no better way. There's no way to sugarcoat it. We're, we're poor people. We're very poor. And even the art that we make, the nature of the art that we make, it's, no, not, let's just say, let's say the code word for Nigeria, like the key word when you think of Nigeria here is survival. Everybody's trying to survive. Everybody's hyper competitive. It's just a, it's just a certain level of desperation in the air. You could smell it. Mm. And so, and so in the art, in music, a lot of the people, a lot of people, all of these people, when they go into the music, they never go into the music to, to do things like you know, uh, you know, inspire people or no, that's what they all yeah. you know, introduce a new sound to elevate. No, 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 no. When when that guy picked up a mic first to sing, he wasn't looking at Grammy. He was looking to eat. The same way. The next, the same way someone produces pencil in the market so that they can, you know, sell it and make money to eat, to feed their family, is the same way we make music here. Yeah. 
people just getting in because they have to eat today. Yeah. They, 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 they have, yeah, that's, that, that's how it is. So it, it, it's at the heart of everything that we've done here is the, the, the poverty mentality, the mentality of, of lack, the mentality, the scarcity mentality. Yeah, that's the, that's the phrase. Yeah. Scarcity mentality where everyone just wants, a poor person wants to eat now. They don't want to eat next year, September. They don't want to go or build anything. Sorry, they're hungry. Give them food now. Yeah. And so access access to capital is a huge problem for us. And so people have all these ideas locally, all of the great ideas that, you know, that are being touted, all of the magnificent ideas that that be or com- uh, that are being introduced here. People have had them. Spotify is about to launch in Nigeria. People have created Udu X before then. People have created uh, Music yeah. Time before, uh, you know, have, people have created products before then. Um, Apple is in the market. We've, we've had that. Uh, we've had that, but we just, we've just not had the capital to be able to properly invest and expand it to the level that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that that that's that's what a lot of these people play with. So when when they come into the market, sprinkle a few ca- sprinkle some cash around, and then you you're dominant. Yeah, you're dominant because you can you can mop up a lot of things. You can you can you you can literally rule the space when you have money. Yeah, like anywhere. So, so that's what's happening. Yeah, that that that's what's happening to us. Um, Mr. Easy was complaining about it the other day. Yes, yeah, and and we've also been very. We've also been very complicit in this on, on our on our side. Also been very complicit. Apart from the fact that we do not understand uh, what ownership means or any any level of equity is, we almost seem to not have a grasp of it, of the concept. And for those who do, it's like their hands are tied. Um, it's like their hands are tied. And the only time you hear about anything about ownership is on social media mm. the moment they go into this the when yeah the way they go into these rooms what they find you know is very far from ownership i've seen deals yeah i've seen <laughs> contracts and i'm like jesus is this real <laughs> honestly I, i'm sure i'm looking at it at these deals and i'm like god you robbed yourself but but do i understand Yes, I do. That person taking that deal. Yeah. Five years ago, five years ago, when they were hustling for news, they, they never had the idea that one day a company from the US will come and say, hey, yeah. we want to take your music. We want to export it. For that, take this amount of money and give us this music to go explore. Yeah. They didn't think of it. So just, and you know, it's in dollars. Mm. And yes, they come in with dollars, of course. Yeah, of course. It's in dollars. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, no, it's in dollars. So everybody here wants money. So th- that's what's fucking us over. Um, that's what's fucking us over. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, it definitely, like you've given, again, a great nuanced answer and I completely get it. Like in terms of people see dollars, the same thing happens in the West Indies. Like there's a supremacy, there's a hierarchy there. And I think you explaining what's going on from a local level to down to kind of a corporation level is super important. I just know someone in your position would have been able to see things from a well-rounded perspective. And I think even when people went over to um, Ghana and Nigeria at, 
December well every December really I just think that plays out in itself like people come for the investment come for December and stuff like that and then leave the local entities that have been building the whole nations all year round and stuff like that so it's it's a shame that this still happens and I hope people like yourself are able to help institutionally change things in the next decades to come so yeah I I hope not because I'm leaving the space. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm leaving the space. I have one more year left in this market. Where? Um, what yeah. do you want to do? What do I want to do? Anything? Not nothing that has to do with music. Oh. Or the industry. Wow. Or journalism. Wow. Or anything. Yeah. I I have to. I have to disappear from it all. What pushed you away? What pushed me? No, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not a question of what pushed me away. I came into this industry as a journalist. I have done everything I set out to do in this space. Um, I've given. I've literally given journalism and the music industry my twenties. So I'm twenty. I'll be twenty nine in a few days. Mm. I don't want to be in this industry when the when my when the clock hits thirty. Yeah, so 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 it's not a question of it's not a question of I just decided that hey, this is not this is not for me. I can't think of giving this space another ten years. It's driving me crazy. Okay, that's really interesting. And I know it's your face turn for the question, but um, I find that quite interesting because you're literally seeing the kind of push for the industry that you're in at the moment, and surely more opportunities would arise and everything. So I'm just quite intrigued at the fact that you're kind of leaving just where things seem to be getting an influx of maybe capital and more opportunities but obviously it sounds like you've made a kind of a peaceful decision like a, a kind of um more lifestyle change decision which i'm quite intrigued in um mm, well it, well it's, it's just it, it's more it's more it's more i see all these things happening you know i've been here when there was nothing happening and you know, I, I I worked extremely hard to get myself in in pole position, you know, and lots of yeah, lots of um, lots. I've done a lot of good in this space. I've also I've also done a few things that I'm, a lot a number of things that I'm not proud of in hindsight, but were necessary when I did them. Um, so yeah, I've contributed to the growth of this space in a number of ways. So. Yeah, leaving leaving sucks. It, it sucks, of course, but I've made peace with it because what I'm pursuing is way diff, is way far from this. I've done I've done this enough to know that I don't want it. And your contributions kind of lead to my next question. So as we've said that you know it's been uh, said like you know Afrobeats now is that place where there's so much global recognition, but also I kind of feel like it's unfortunately synonymous with African music as a whole. And then obviously, you know, there's other genres. There's, you know, Afropop, contemporary high life, you know, Guam, Zulu, hip life, Juju, Ote, of course. So do you think in the next like five, 10 years, those other genres across the, the, the diaspora and across the continent, they'll start to cross over the way Afrobeats has? Is that possible, do you think? The way this thing works there, it's like, it's 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 a roll of the dice. I I I don't think anything. I don't. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. <laughs> it's a roll of the dice. Now we can theorize all we can about how you know you know we've been working hard. 
you know, working hard to deserve this moment, blah, 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 blah. Like, if it's hard work, eh, then there are also other people that have, there are also other movements that have worked harder than we have, and they don't have half of what we have. Um, there have been people who have, who have had it before, and they've lost it. So, nobody knows what will happen to other sounds and other movements. But I can tell you this. The more the more tech, you know, unites the world, the more we have more access to each other, the more the more we can the more we connect each other uh through technology, what we'll discover is is that we're bound to change each other. We're bound to change our tastes. We're bound to influence ourselves in more ways than we can imagine. Some of it intentional, some of it not. Maybe something would spark a revolution and then there would be a global bongo flavor dominance, you know? The Tanzanians and that melodious thing they have going on there for them. Or something else, but nobody knows. But no, nobody knows. But what I'm sure of is it's not going to end with just Afrobeats. It's not going to... At some point, Afrobeats on would, would be done. Like, at some point, at some point, hopefully it doesn't happen soon, but we know at some point, diminishing marginal utility would happen. Or maybe they'll discover that uh, they'll try and try and try and they can't hack. And when they can't, when, you know, they can't hack uh, sustainable value here on, and they can't, the export, the exportation, the, the exportion they're trying to do and isn't working anymore, then exportation rather isn't working anymore, then, you know, they would leave us. But as long as there's the potential for value, that would happen. If they find value in any other market, if they find, you know how it is, if the algorithms tell people now that, hey, there's a little bongo thing happening somewhere in East Asia, of course, we'll send all the Tanzanians to Asia to go explore it. So I think that would happen. Uh, that, that, that might happen as technology unites us. But in terms of being certain of anything, Nah, this space has this space has surprised me. It's way too much for me to do predictions. I think that's a very very um, fair point. Um, it is quite a diverse space, and I think it's like honourable for you to say that it's too diverse for you to actually make a prediction. I think sometimes we operate in arrogance and pretend we know everything um, when there's like little data to suggest anything. Um, so that, I appreciate that. Um, I want to kind of move on to. So we've spoken about. Afrobeats, Afrobeat, and kind of the variations of like genres in Africa and the journey over to the US and the UK. But I want to talk about the relationships. Um, I was listening to one of your interviews um, where you were on Plus TV, I think it's called. Um, and you said that the Grammys are an American award. Um, it's not our award. And I just think in, in relation to Burner Boy and um, kind of the movements that he made with P. Diddy um, to kind of get another chance at that Grammy. I kind of just wanted you to speak on the Grammys a bit more and why you don't think the Grammys is for um, Nigerian or Africa. I don't know, you didn't really state which when you, who you meant by us, but um, like why you don't think it's for that particular demographic or Nigerian demographic. Okay, um, just mm -hmm. a bit of context for that. Um, that's, th that conversation happened within the context of Nigerians being entitled to a Grammy and making a lot of noise 
for mm-hmm. them not getting a Grammy and saying, oh, you know, fuck the Grammy. They don't know good music. Look at Bonaboy. So funny. So funny right now. As a general, as a, as a, my countryman, we know how to throw a good tantrum. It's really embarrassing when you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know how to throw a good tantrum, especially when it doesn't go our way. It's something that we're good at. Um, but yeah, Bonaboy didn't win the Grammys because the people who are in charge of deciding that award that was literally designed, that category that was designed as a token, token category to just say, Hey, okay, oh, you guys come, you know, take a room in this in this big apartment and just stay there. Now we're saying, no, we want to make decisions. Why? Why don't we make decisions? Or why doesn't it always favor us? So I th- I like to think in as much as the Grammy, you know, I, I, I respect the Grammy. I know what it means for anybody to win a Grammy. And maybe it might not give you more money. But some people it does. Maybe it might not give you, you know, give you anything for your career. But you know, it's good as a personal milestone or accolade to say, uh, you know, I I got a Grammy. I have a bunch of awards here in this room, even though I don't display them. But every time I open one of those drawers and I see them, like I feel a, I feel a shock. I feel my ego rise to the top. Like, ha ha, I did this. So yeah, the Grammy is good for that. But. Let's look at what it's originally for. It, it, it's an award created in the U.S. for Americans. Eh? They've expanded it over time to say, okay, well, let's not leave all the other parts away from us. But the award is, is an American award to reward American artists. And everything that, and in that entire Grammy, we are only entitled to one, to one slot. And, you know, or maybe when we collaborate with other people, then we can get into their awards. But, like, we're only entitled to one slot. So why are we, why do, why do we, why, why is it our problem? Like, why, why is it that big? Why, why, does it, why does it affect us so much? What, what we should be pushing for if we claim to have all of this Africanism, this pride, this, this, uh, this uh, desire for ownership. It should all this owner, this desire for ownership should also penetrate into our, should also you know intersect with our desire for to be celebrated and recognized. You know when those things intersect, guess what happens? We're going to we're going to try to push the the you know MTV mamas high to get a bigger profile. We're going to try to build a recording academy in Africa, and then you know hold that to a standard and have our own Grammys. All of these things are possible. We can have our own equivalent of the Grammys and not have a problem. But you see, but we don't. We really do not think like that. You see, the one where those white men get, the one where those white men they 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 they, they, they enjoy. We won't follow them. Enjoy that one too. Because because that's the standard. And yes, sadly it is. But you gotta raise your standards too. So that's that that's why I'm I'm very much I'm all for us getting recognition in the higher spaces. Heck, I want our artists to 
win every Grammy. I want Olamide's new album to beat uh, what dope rap projects have dropped this year in the US. Either Wanna or, yeah, let's say Wanna. I love Wanna. Yeah, I want Olamide's next project to beat uh, Wanna or beat Savage Mode 2, you know? And win a Grammy over Savage Mode too, but you know, but at the same way too, I I I want you know I want to have a relationship with a younger Mar- Mariah Carey, <laughs> okay. you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get. <laughs> yeah. So you get my point. It's it's still the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, let's all win it, but let's all win what we can can win. Uh, but it's not our space for us to go shout in. You know, if this happens on this continent and mm. and I want to celebrate you within your people, is you know you're wrong there now. Then there's a problem now or wrong now. <laughs> but but well, you can go to another man's land and be shout a man's house and be telling him, hey, just because you've invited me here, in fact, I want to be a shareholder. Yeah. In fact, do as I say. No, now or wrong now. <laughs> I just I also wanted to rebound off what you were saying just very quickly. Um, so with regards to creating our own awards and everything, um, how do you think that fares in? So you described Nigerian kind of where you're from is like you said you're poor and there are things that are going on at the moment that require capital. So when it comes to making like your own award shows and everything, won't it be the same situation where you would need investment? from the likes of the Grammys or somewhere abroad um, to start something like that? We've, been, we've not been able to find a way to successfully run our awards. We've not had the Mamas in forever. Ah, God, I love the Mamas. I was, at, I was at the last one in South Africa. Good times. Um, we've not been able to even maintain the, the headers here locally. South uh, Sound City MVP Awards, you know, it's a newbie. It's, it's it's really just starting. So, you know, it's well produced and all. But let's yeah. let's see how long it would go. The Grammy has been around for like decades, but down down here we don't have that. Um, so yeah, we haven't cracked that formula yet for a number of reasons. But if the Grammy say, hey, we want to have Grammy Africa, the same way Billboard have their Billboard Awards and then they have their Latin Billboard Awards. Mm-hmm. And the Latin yeah, Grammys. Mm. Then the Latin Grammys. Eh, no. Eh, no. We can, you know, if you want to partner, we can partner with the Grammys to say, okay, cool. You know, bring investment. Let's, let's do it here. Mm. Then no problem with that. Give us our creative control. Partner locally with people. Get local production teams. So the money, so a lot of the money stays here. Um, and then, you know, we find a way to make the economics work for everyone. That's mm. that's good. That's good. I, that one, if they refuse to give Bonaboy an award, I'd go there shirtless and I'd fight. You know, I'd fight. <laughs> we'd, we'd bring it down. We'd bring down the house. I, I was there. Yeah, let's do it. Let's point. <laughs> but, 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 you know, some they would not hold their event at the... Where do they hold it these days? Is it the Staples Center? Where do they hold it these days? I don't know. But wherever they hold it there, and then you expect me and our boys from Nigeria to go to another man's land and say, "Hey, we are, hey, we want to dominate your award that wasn't designed for us." No. So yeah, if they want to partner with us, I'm sure I'd love that. 
Um, we just need to sort out the economics. That's the problem. Once again, if there's a way where they can generate value with it, then fine. But until that happens, well, we'll continue having uh, failed attempts to fly in organized awards for the music industry in Africa. Yeah, I think what you said is so important as well. Like, but just understanding the nature of the beast that you're dealing with like this is an award show that lumps so many different genres into like world categories and um things of that nature i think again it's another man's land and understanding that is super important which is why my opinion of the grammys has changed in recent years as well um talking about like genres and people within those genres and spaces and things like that there was a debate in the UK that happened um, a couple of months ago about the Afro Beach chart, which they launched um, with the official charts in the UK. Um, now, obviously a lot of that chart consisted of acts that would be considered Afro swing, which probably, as you know, is a completely different subgenre, which was created in the UK across the tens. Now, I know there's a complete debate about even the term Afrobeats and calling things like, for example, Ghanaian pop or Nigerian pop um, instead of Afrobeats as a catch-all term. But I wanted to get your opinion about that whole chart creation, that moment that happened um, and the validity of it. Do you think it's something that you guys accept or you accept or embrace oh, yeah. or we, like, we, what, what are your thoughts down, on that whole thing? Down here, the UK, they're creating a chart for themselves, then it's for them. I wonder why we're making a lot of noise about a UK chart for the UK. So someone in the UK decided to create Afrobeats chart in the UK for the people in the UK, for themselves. And our artists will decide to go sell our music in the UK. Then why is that a problem? It's going to reflect what's happening in the UK. Once again, we're looking for saviors. If they create an Afrobeats chart for Nigeria now and it's not reflective or it brings a lot of Afro swing people, then I'll have a problem. Like I said, once again, I, I, I still maintain, you know, I still maintain that, you know, we can't be looking for heroes outside. It's still an extension of that colonial mentality. We we can't be doing that. We we if if there's anything about recognition, charting, anything. If you're charting in the UK, then shout out to you charting in the UK. You know, shout out to you and your and your music being traveling. But if you're looking for your genre to be represented and and you know categorized properly and processed properly, then you do that at home where you people have it, then everybody would, you know, take a leaf from you. But when people say, when people see there's a space and then they decide to create it for their market, then people want to stay here and shout, no, no. How? So you want them to come here now and start looking for an artist like CDQ to put in the chat. Where are the numbers? Yeah. See, we have, we have issues. I, I, I don't, I, I don't embrace it. Mm -hmm. I don't even recognize, I don't recognize that chart. <laughs> I recognize it when I'm, I don't like as an African chart. I don't. I see it as the British, yeah, the, the people in the UK trying to have their own British. The same way I look at the UK chart system. This person goes number one yeah. in the in the UK top albums. So this person goes number one in the UK Afrobeat album. It's not my <laughs> business. If somebody goes, if some if somebody creates an Afrobeat chart in Jamaica, 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> oh my god! Hey god, we, see, we, we have we have bigger issues. We have bigger issues locally. I'm... That's where my problem is. Like now, here with the thing they bite me. No, be there. Now here, here. Yeah. And so if we're not sorting it out here. Why should I go and be fighting over there? Oh, oh, you can be creating alphabet chats in your country. Will you beat them? Mm. No, I get the analogy. I get the analogy. I think um, your perspective on um, it is when, super. Go on, yes, go on. When, yes, now when you see it like this, then I'm, I'm, then you, you begin to you begin to think. You begin to think, you know, in, in solutions. Yes. Instead of highlighting the problem. There's no co- amount of complaint, no amount of shouting, no amount of uh, we know go go no amount of aluta will change mm. that thing. Mm. Because by very nature, it was not meant to serve you. I love that. I love that analogy. Like, I love that you keep going back to that foundation. It wasn't meant for certain people. I, I completely love that. Yeah, I love I love your perspective on things. See, I agree with that, but don't you worry then that it will then dilute what is Afrobeats yes. music, what what yeah. the what perception is. So, I understand it, what you're saying, and I completely yes, agree. No. But we're, as Nick said, having artists that aren't Afrobeats and an Afrobeats chart, even if it is the UK, it kind of just disregards the artists who actually are making Afrobeats and kind of delegitimizes I, the scene. Is that not an issue for you? Is that not an issue to me? As long as huh, I'm trying to frame this well, I've 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 I've, I've, asked, I've you know processed this question too. Um, for me, it's more okay. Think about it. We do we do dance hall here, don't we? We do dance hall here. One day, all of us here, we're going to create a dance hall chat. For Nigeria, we're going to pack a bunch of Nigerian artists that do dance hall lights or dance hall uh, echo, and we'll put it in there and call it dance hall. And maybe we'll throw in one or two Jamaican artists that have marketed in here and you know are doing anything in this market, and we'll still call it the Nigerian dance hall chart. Okay, I get you. Does it? Does it? Does it delegitimize? whatever busy signal is doing in, in in wherever he's from it doesn't it doesn't yeah i get what you're I saying i know there's a lot of attention on the uk and and you know i know we're very focused on the uk and you know all of those things but let's be honest the world does not fucking care <laughs> the, the average oh dear the, the average the average person just wants to listen to Bonner Boy and keep it moving. I mean big fans. Now we waited this now we waited this industry. Eh? The both of us see this conversation about this chat now, eh? I would not go have a conversation with a random fan of Nigerian music in the UK mm. and his problem will be oh god they put uh, they put Afro B in Afrobeats with Bonaboy on the same channel. Oh my God, the quality of the art has died. Oh no. That would never happen. Now we, the carry on for head, 
but while I while I want you know I'm always for accurate representations mm. and all of that. But the very nature of that chat was meant the chat was meant to look the way it looks for that market. So if we want to carry if we want to change mm. mm. anything yeah, or fight for fair. anything, then let's that's go fair. back home now. Where is the Afrobeat chat from the home of Afrobeat? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, now. Yes. Yeah. Where is it? I agree. That's a very good point. So I now want to pivot to history because I, w- I want to make sure that we're not just discussing contemporary um, Afrobeats and African music. So this is like a two-part question. So one thing I've noticed, especially in media and journalism, that when people discuss like West African artists of yesteryear is always... Belakuti and to a lesser extent King Sunny Ade, who were named for their impact on contemporary African music, as they should. They're amazing. But you know, as you will know, there were other great artists um, from Nigeria and Africa in the 70s and earlier, like you know, the Lejadu sisters, the funkies, the high grades, the apostles. So my two-part question is: so why do um why do we hold Fela and King Sunny Ade on such a high pedestal for those who don't know? And why aren't there lesser known contemporaries being reclaimed and referenced in the same way today? It's wherever markets their work well, that's the one the world will see. It's all a function of PR. Mm-hmm. It's all a function of PR. And also, you, you need to also look at when people carry this fella thing on his head. Fela is not the only Afrobeat artist I know. There was also this person, uh, what's his name? Shegun, uh, what's this lady that died? God rest her soul. The... The uh, OAP that died, and there's also Shegun Bokner, Justin Bokner's father. There were a bunch of them, yeah. There were a bunch of people that made this music too. Okay, but Felazon rose to the top because, of course, everybody likes the story of a fighter, the guy who stood against uh, whatever it is. That's literally what it is, yeah. Two days against uh, Nigerian Everybody loves that story. It's good to sell. David and Goliath. So are you saying it's, it's publicity and politics then that made the difference? Publicity and politics pushed Fela's on. For King Sonia, they, yes, all these people, no doubt they made like special records. But there are other people that made special records so that they didn't have the access to the media, that the level of media that they had, or they weren't just really focused on, they weren't just really focused on, or they didn't have the, they weren't focused on PR. There was, there's Majek Fashek now, right? If Majek Fashek had come out one day to fight the government, ah, come out one day to fight the government, ah, instead of, you would see what would happen. Everybody would say, ah, Majek Fashek, freedom fighter, look at his music. See Bobby Wine now. Waiting Bobby Wine don't sing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Bobby Wine is the most popular artist from Uganda. Waiting, don't sing. (laughs) In the fight, in the fight, government. (laughs) So, see, 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 Bonaboy now. Bonaboy wants to get iconic status. All of a sudden, Bonaboy turned freedom fighter. Bonaboy. (laughs) <laughs> hey God! So, so you can kind of argue that Burner Boy does like talk about political events. So. Well, of course he will now. Of course, <laughs> why not? 
<laughs> I'm, I'm hearing so much. I'm hearing so much skepticism. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Of course, it's cool to market with these things. I mean, it, it's good to market with. Recently, did you follow the Nigerian social space when he, when you know he, when he was called out to come perform to come uh, lead a protest to actually fight the government? Mm. Like he, he, like the only thing he didn't say was ah, na joke, I've been the joke, but he came out to say, I am not fella. Sorry, the man don't die go. Even the fella, fella, fella says, if fella was alive now, he would be a pariah. When fella died, he was a pariah of society. So revisionist history will make us carry this thing on our head and be saying all these things. If fella was alive today, I'm not sure he'll get that level of respect that we're mm. giving to him now. Except if he's still performing. Do you think do you think that's do you think that's internationally or in Nigeria? Nigeria, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I agree with that actually. Except if he has except if he has money and he's still performing and him, we respect him. But if King Sonia Day was a popper now, nobody would mention King Sonia Day's name. And that's what's interesting. So yes now. I, it's true. They had other people in the East. When I grew up, I I didn't I didn't hear King Sonia Day's name growing up. You didn't hear his name? I didn't hear his name growing up. I heard uh Sarex Lawson. I heard Cardinal Rex Lawson. Hmm? Cardinal Rex Lawson. Oh, okay. High life. Okay. I heard Cardinal Rex Lawson. I I heard Bright Chimizi. I heard Osadebe. But guess what? Those I heard Oliver de Coke. Mm. It's when I moved to Lagos. That's when I see people carrying King Sonia Day on their head. And I'm like, yeah, I knew Sonia Day, you know, he did one or two things and he had the song with Onyeka when you know nice guy, you know. Well, it's when I when I go here, that's when people start, and and a lot of it is because, and a lot of it now, especially in this modern day celebration that we're doing these days, is because a lot these ones they are tied to Lagos. Mm. They, mm. they were very tied to Lagos. The day Bright Chimizi came to perform at Afropolitan Vibes here, it was a carnival. But in the media, you would not see us celebrate and amplify Bright Chimizi's work, like the King or Osadebe, Osadebe. Well, you actually bring up a very interesting point then, um, because now we're talking about um, art and the actual reality of protests. Um, and I kind of want to talk about how um, odes to Africa sometimes are used as kind of a, a branding tool in, in themselves. So I kind of want to get your opinions of some of the art we've seen come out from the US, like for example, um, Beyonce's latest um, uh, album, The Gift, but also the kind of Black is King visual that came as well. Um, how do you see that um, from your space? What do you feel like it, do you feel like it does anything for Africa when it comes to um, talking about liberation? Nah. <laughs> nah. No, nothing they do anything for us. See, we are in the... Oh, God. Hey, this is the easiest of the catch trip. See, everybody, they use us catch trips. It's the truth. Like... <laughs> I'm so glad someone's please, about to speak. put this laughter inside, dude. <laughs> <laughs> because every na 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 trips, na trips. <laughs> hey God, so so everybody can shout. Africa must be free. 
but today, right now, the biggest conversation in Nigeria now is the fact that our policemen are extorting and killing us mm-hmm. fast, mm-hmm. especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make Beyonce come, come sing brown skin stars. Oh, Stop killing oh my, my boys. Oh, <laughs> Stop killing my boys. The thing is, drop the fact. Can you just drop the facts, please? Continue. Continue. <laughs> I, I, keep, I'm, keep going. I'm just saying. Keep going. I'm just saying. Because I'm enjoying this one. Every time you want chopping, go come this market. Oh my God. Come from, uh, come from, come from internal Oibo. Wow. <laughs> That's what he does. And he'll come, you know, Hotep, Hotep Pop. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yes. Yes, now. This w- Africa, okay. we was kings. All of them will come and they will, we was kings Ooh. up and down. <laughs> we was kings, we <laughs> was kings. But <laughs> <laughs> well, now, stars are killing us. Where is our giant? Mm. Where is, where is uh, the guy that took the highway to Africa? Mm. Where is... Uh... So, in the end... If this thing no paid them, it goes back to what I was saying from the start. Let nobody bubble us. It shouldn't bubble you. If this thing does not pay, if there's no, if the economics does not add up for them, do you think they will give a mm-hmm. shit? Mm. Mm. The first interview I ever heard, very good contrast. First interview I had I ever heard of Jidena, it was him saying Nigeria mm. was too dangerous. That when he came to bury his father, he came with uh, extra security men with uh, gun totting uh, ri- uh, rifles. And because, you know, they kidnap light skinned people. Mm. Vlad, I heard that interview now. Everybody gave him stick for it. When that was before Africa became cool. The day Africa became cool and he had classic man. The next thing, Jiden Nadon de Wea and Karao. The next thing Jidena wear Ankara, sharp, sharp, African fine boy, Oyibo, fine Oyibo African boy. Enter here, they chop. They no kid, they no kidnapper. That's interesting. That's very interesting. And I'm glad you had the, so, you actually so, said it. So, well. so, That's so, very interesting. So, See, and yeah, I want to, so, like, to be honest. He's written about it. I say these things all the time I'm con- that's why they see me as a troublemaker <laughs> yes that's why that, that's why they see me as a troublemaker I think I would have gone further in my career if I did not stick to the truth like in ter- not, not in terms of my recognition in terms of the opportunities I've had because uh, nobody likes them. Yes. yeah of course because nobody likes the person who looks them in the eye and say you're bullshitting mm-hmm. Yeah. So for you, exactly. nobody likes that person. So for you, it's, and I may be wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like when people like Beyonce and Jadena, and even Gold Link, you know, he had his African inspired album Diaspora last year. So I think people from Everybody the West are looking at like, okay, them. they're highlighting all these different artists, these different sounds. But to you, it doesn't matter if it's not actually uplifting the people that live in the countries where these sounds are birthed. Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is this when Africa stops being cool, Mm. Now we, now we, all of us here now, of thank God I won't be in the industry. Ha <laughs> ha. But all, all of us, but like figure of speech, all of us here now will be the ones going and saying, ah uh-uh, ah, we exist, we exist. Show us some love. Yes. That's 
like we'll be the ones to go and I'll beg them that we still exist once we stop being cool. Just mm. wait now. Wait yeah. until yes now. We'll see it. It happened. It happened to the people on the on the islands, the Caribbeans. It happened now. Yeah, it did. Uh-huh. It, it did now. Then why do we think we are special? Because we are the motherland. I beg you. And also, um, just on that point, because I know there's someone else's go, but um, this isn't a question, but have you heard of the the argument with like the Wakandification, like Wakandafication? Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, one one of my jobs, one of the jobs I do, I'm a, I work with a lot of academics across the world studying African mm-hmm. culture. So doctors, professors, yeah. I work across music, film, society, religion, and a few and a bunch of things. So I, I help I, I work on research and all of that. So there's a lot of Wakandification uh research happening. Uh yeah, but Ooh. yeah, there are a lot of them every day. Like they're not public because those things are not meant for the public mm. to consume. But like I work with them, so I see it all the okay. time. Um, and I also do read a lot of academic research into our culture. Um, people don't, but I do, because there's a certain, there's a way academics contextualize knowledge that we 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 don't find anywhere yeah. else. Back to data, yeah. research, everything. I read them a lot, mm. but yeah, and they're not they're not popular uh, texts. So okay. Well, um, but yeah, but yeah, Africa, Africa is not Wakanda. Wherever, wherever, give them an, you know, it was nice to have something to represent us. Representation is good, but you know, any other thing mm. beyond that is nonsense. And for Akon to stand in one corner and be trying to scan people for the umpteenth time using Wakanda as his own Akon wow. city, he would die. Like, there's a problem happening there. So yeah, there's no so so yeah. That's just that's just nonsense. That's just nonsense. It's just nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, just to shout out with the Wakandification, like Jade Bentall and stuff like that, don't go and give her abuse. But um, yeah, obviously she coined the term. But in terms of, um, I wanted to go back to Nigeria and the music industry and something you wrote, you actually wrote, um, which is called Heroes and Villains, Nobody in Nigerian Music is a Saint. Um, and this kind of spoke about um, particularly like how the industry operates. You mentioned in the beginning um, a lack of checks and balances um, and that leaving room for the true nature of humanity to be revealed. So, for example, like people's integrities uh, and all uh, of uh, that. I, I don't do things. T- I, I, I don't like I, I to. Jesus. Hey, continue. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, did I get something wrong? <laughs> but um, but yeah, I wanted to ask you about the Nigerian music industry, the lack of checks and balances. What exactly you meant when you mentioned that? Um, and if you actually believe there is some humanity in the music side of the industry, um, in in your market, in your home market. Um, the second part of that, yeah, the first one, uh, why the checks and balances, and the second part of that question says. Oh, the second part was whether you think there is humanity, like people go- doing good deeds. In okay, humanity. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, okay, yeah. I get you. I get you. I get you. A lot of people don't. This angle of humanity intersecting with business and the music industry. A lot of people don't see it, but I'm an empath. I see a lot of things. First, checks and balance, the lack of checks and balances. Uh, we have a funny justice system here. It grinds very slowly, very slowly. So 
number one, apart from it not valuing like creative work, the legal system doesn't value creative work that much. It, it you can it grinds very slowly, and so people don't respect contracts and all. People don't respect contracts and all, and so you know a lot of people, a lot of a lot of things are up in the air. So without those things, without people saying, hey, they can fuck up, or you pay money, you give someone money to do something, and the person will not do it, and there's nothing you can do other than go and look for boys to beat the person, because you can't take the person to court, you can't call the police, nothing. So yeah, checks and balances. It's those things exist. Although now a lot of people are setting those up and signing deals in other countries, not Nigeria. Um, like you sign a guy to like not Nigeria. You sign a guy to an American agreement, making come perform for US now. Uh huh. So, uh, so yeah, a lot of people are trying to are doing that. Um, but in market here, uh, nah. And then apart from that. That's why you see artists just waking up and saying, I'm, I'm like, I've had it. I'm done with this, with this contact. I think I've made enough money for you. In fact, I'm leaving. Mm. Uh-huh. Checks and balances. And then the existence of humanity. Like I said, um, I, I go back to what I said earlier about survival. It's a hyper-competitive space filled with a lot of desperation. It's a space that... Um, it's a space that, and when you put desperation with art or creativity and you take away checks and balances, you know, the worst of humanity just pops out. It, yeah. it almost always happens. Our instincts are so basic, no matter how we try to hide it. And so, yeah. Yeah, so we see a lot of people just getting scammed. We see a lot of people having their shit stolen. We see a lot of people... Um, Taking advantage of like younger fries, not not giving them their credits or the work, not even giving them the exposure that they even promised that they will give you when you do it for them. We see a lot of these things happen as with every creative space. Ours is just ours is just crazy because you know there's no protection for a lot of people, for a lot of vulnerable creatives and businessmen. Um, you can find a deal with an artist as the artist manager. And tomorrow the manager will just the artist will wake up and say, "I don't like your face, fuck off," and that's it. That's it, and then then the manager will now come on. The manager will now come on WhatsApp group and say, uh, "I'm put up a strong, a straight face." So now I say, "I'm no longer working with this person." Of course. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> oh god, I'm a, I'm a bad person. I'm a very bad person. <laughs> No, <laughs> very honest, very honest. But yeah, yeah. But, but, but yeah, we see those things happen. And then you look at the manager and you're like, try, poor guy. Try, I come, come and collect a hug, yeah? Come on, it'll be well, it'll be well with you. Well, but yeah, it happens all the time. In many ways, just a lot of fuckery. So, of course, there are a lot of good people. And, and then in that sort of system, what you now see is this. You now see, you have people that are both, extreme heroes and extreme villains like the hero in your story the the angel in your story is actually the devil in another person's story a lot of times a lot of times so you know if you the way to operate in the business is just to focus on not what people tell you about the person yeah you can have those and have it in the back of your mind but always always look out to protect yourself 
in every way possible when having dealings. Wow. Okay. That's, that's a lot. Boy. Right. Thank you for that. Thank you. Like a, well, a well-rounded contextual answer as per but yeah, Shope, Eden. No, so I have um, two questions. Well, I have many more, but obviously I want to keep it short because obviously we've been talking for an hour. So um, I don't know which one of the... So I have one, one final, final question, which I think is a good ending point, but it's these other two. They're like, hmm, which of the two should I go for? <laughs> um, <laughs> ha, okay, well, let's just go for this, you know. So uh, actually, no, I don't know. Which is the better question? Just pick one. Okay, fine. So um, you've interviewed Asha before, and uh, who's someone I who I'm a massive fan of, and she was also one of the first um, Nigerian artists that I was getting into growing up. And you mentioned yeah. in your interview with her that she's someone that people wouldn't necessarily consider as a core Nigerian artist. And when we look at mm-hmm. like you know the best world categories of the Grammys, and even mm-hmm. looking back at like Angelique Kijo and Blake Bassi and in from Mali. Like we've seen across like history that African artists have, you know, they they have crossed over to international yeah. spaces. Like they've toured the world, they've won prestigious awards, they've been yeah. have acclaimed awards and majors and stuff. Yeah. But it seems yeah. like they don't really have a connection with the the young African diaspora, in my opinion. I feel like my generation, people like myself, didn't really talk about Lady Smith Mambazo and people like that. So I want to know, why do you think that is? Because there's this idea that African music has only started to really become a thing recently, but there's been loads of African artists that have been making big uh, statements. It's simple. Uh, It's simple. Like, we don't... Like, they're not making music for us. Like, they don't old. They're not making music for us. A lot of those people you've just mentioned, apart from Asha, a lot of them are making music for our generation. So if, if you know, our parents appreciated them now. Uh, Fela was like our whis- their whiskey then now. Sonia Day was like their whiskey now. They turned up with them now. And they've done. They're, they're, you know, their time has gone. They're, they're, you know, they should keep making the music and feed the, to feed the crowd that they're feeding. But we, our tastes are different. What we need out of music is different. Uh, like take for example, now I, I won't go to a club and they'll be bumping fellas uh sleep Yanga Wake up and then I have to sit there for like thirty minutes while he just plays the instrument. <laughs> 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 well, like yeah, like I listen to like I listen to fella, you know, when I when when I want to get my when I want to get my Africa up. But <laughs> Um, I want to get my my uh, my inner African up. I'll listen to it and hang. Africa must be free. But if Ella was alive now, making music now, of course it will it will be for him and his generation. But down here, nah, none of that. That's one. And number two, who are they marketing to in these spaces? Mm. Who are they marketing to now? Are they marketing to you? No. Mm. Apart the one, the ones who can market to your parents will market to your parents. And after that, what happens? They take it into white spaces and turn it into token token music now, mm-hmm. token African music mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for diversity now. So you have a bunch of white people who are appreciating this music, not necessarily because they're enjoying it, no, but because it's exotic. Because it's other. Yeah. 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 
that's, the other. That's fair. So before I get into that last question, Eden, Nick, do you have anything else? Well, my question is kind of veering into another area of um, Joey's interviews. So if you had something related to what you just said, feel free to go again. Uh, no, 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 Nick, go on. My thing was just um, if if you want to reveal it, um, what space are you moving into and why? Um, but if it's private, it's private. But just wanted to ask. This one, eh? For this one, um, to be honest, I'm not, I'm shaking, man. I'm, I'm really shaking because, ah, to be, I'm a big deal in Nigerian music. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big deal in Nigerian music and, you know, I've built this over the years. This is the only, yeah. this is the only thing I know how to do. No, not the only thing per se, but you get my point. Like, this is the only thing my heart has allowed me to do. Mm. And so I'm ripping it off for a number of reasons. And so my new field, I have already started. I can say I'm undergoing intense training to be a different person in a year's time. Okay. Um, uh, but I can't give it away so open because I don't want that industry to be looking out for me. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Good luck, though. Good luck. I, I, yeah, I just want. I, yeah, I just want to. I just, I just want to announce it uh, when I join the industry. When I'm leaving this one and joining that one, my first job in that industry. When I announce it, hey, you know, shout out to you. Oh my God, look at that, Joey <laughs> <Talk a lot>. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, but yeah, it's something that excites me. But it gives me the it gives me the power to be able to. For that to you know, for that influence the future. Another reason I'm 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 going lie. Let me don't lie. Another reason why I'm leaving here is because I don't I don't believe in what I do anymore. Right. Um, I don't I don't believe in like I joined I I started doing it to influence the world, and to a certain degree, I don't think I'm influencing the world anymore. Okay. I think to yeah I think like me I'm trying you know influencing my corner yeah I'm influential blah 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 you know I've done I've done good work you know I've talked to a lot number of people trained a bunch of people blah 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 but is this in the future would it still hold the same meaning to me no would I still be able to would it still hold the same relevance that I wanted to hold no what would hold that relevance and what would be able to enable me impact more people? Mm. My work is impact. It's not this anymore. And so I have to go there. It's hard. It's this and I'll be abandoning all the things I've done here. You know, oh, sorry. But yes, it's very important that I do it. If not, if I stay stuck here, I, I, I just live a life of regrets. And so far, I have none. I want to keep it that way. Even if I fail in the next one, I, I, I wouldn't regret it. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. So, so I want to kind of just to lean off of that, then just to talk about what you're currently doing in the music industry and everything. Um, you said in one of um, you said on the face in one of your articles on the face that um, the state of music journalism in Nigeria has evolved. So I just wanted you to talk on the state of journalism in Nigeria um, at the moment. Where is it at? Uh, the state of uh, music journal music journalism. Uh... Uh, first, I took I took it mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who, for the first time in their lives, heard the word music journalism, it's been associated with my name in this country. Um, so, but <sighs> for a long time, a number of people create made journalism look like a us versus them 
experience. Mm-hmm. Like it's journalists against artists instead of journalists and and artists because both both sets of people they need each other to work mm-hmm. and only when they work in extreme harmony that they can have the best possible products for the public mm-hmm. and in my when I was younger I I was a hot head though I ain't gonna lie I built a lot of my reputation on being able to be very not even to be very disruptive mm. sometimes divisive but be very disruptive you know I did a lot of investigations blah 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 done all of that but the older I grew and the more what I wanted to achieve in journalism began to change the more I understood that hey for you to be able to do what you're doing you gotta embrace your industry mm. and so I embraced my industry um, built an insane network um built an insane network i have my hand in every camp um i have my ears in everywhere um mm-hmm. and and so built that and so i was able to be able that's the only way i've been able to and then i have a lot of access a lot of access more than even i said know what to do with okay um but i had to do that and then, and then while doing that, I had to work internationally, you know, to make them respect me. People only respect you when the same thing, colonial mentality. Ah, we in be now, Joe, in the work, in the right for New York Times. Ah, give him access. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, now. I, I had more access working for the internationals than when I built Pulse.ng from the ground up yeah. with a bunch of other people. Well, just, just quickly, um, you said that yeah. the truth has always given me a life. And I just kind of wanted to end it with you just telling us what is your truth at the moment? My truth at the moment is I have, I've served, I've, I've, I came into the space with good intentions. And to a certain degree, I'd say I've served that. Um, I've raised my industry, in a, I've served my industry in a way that is a net positive. Um, my truth is I want everybody to win. My truth is that I want us to, I want progress and advancement. My truth is that I hate bullshit. And I hate to feel like, I hate to see deception. Not even like showbiz deception, like human deception. Mm. Um, and so I've stood, I've, I've stood against it from time, to, uh, from time past. Have I been blackballed a lot? Yes. I, have I had problems even within the media for the way that I've reported my, the way I've carried out my work? Yes, of course. But have I had such a swell time at it? Yes. Would I do it again if given the chance? Of course. And am I leaving it? Yes. Mm. So my truth is, this has been good. Um, I still have one more year to put into this. And I wish, and I hope to influence a lot more people and do a lot more good work. And, you know, just have a great last dance. Um, and then I leave it. My truth is just progressing. Wow. Okay. So that was the ending that I was hoping for. Um, and I think that's all the questions that we had, unless someone wants to chime in quickly. But I think um, we're all good on that. Joey, I want to say thank you very much for your time um, and for thank you so much answering our for questions. Having me. I, 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 and, and no, um, I know, like, like um, you know, I'm, I'm, you, you guys have sent me emails before Stephanie. Huh? <laughs> and, yeah, of course. If you think I don't know, I know now. I know when she came to me, she's like, "Who's that?" I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. I've seen a shopper send me an email, and it repeatedly, you know, 
and you know I apologize for not responding but still like a lot of the time a lot of the time the way because of the way I've been dragged across this industry uh half the time I'm trying to generate value in a different way mm. away from like even the journalism mm. um away from even journalism and the art so half the time I'm I'm always overworked yes um yeah. so but but like it's it's easier when there are people that I love. If you go through people I love, people that are family, yeah, yeah. It's easier it's easier for me to do something for family than for straight out strangers. Yeah. I, I admit. So yeah, I apologize for that, and but I'm just happy we were able to do this, and I was able to meet all of you. Thank, thank you. you. No, most definitely, and I I just want to say thank you again um, for being so honest because I felt like you've give you've given quite a vulnerable interview today, um, and that's genuinely been appreciative um, appreciated by all three of us. Sorry, so. Thank you very much. And any of the listeners listening at the moment, we want to say thank you for listening. Um, if you have any more questions, just let us know. D-A-T-S-P-O-D on all social media platforms. And that is the episode for today. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>